Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keuchel Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner... Hello, White Sox fans. It's Tony on tap, and tonight I am joined by NWI Steve, the man out in Northwest Indiana. And we are talking about a White Sox winner on a Friday night here, Steven. How you feeling, my friend? Anthony, um, feeling all right. You know, they, they found a way to score more runs than the opposition and record 27 outs. It's been a rarity of late. Um, so, you know, you got to take that as a positive. Yeah, especially in the first game of a series, the White Sox don't exactly fare too well uh, over the course of this season. But uh, tonight they find a way to get it done by a final score of two to nothing. We're going to break it down here for you on Sox on Tap. But before we do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature needs. Follow us on the show at what about Socks the podcasting needs. You, you just yeah, yeah, about the no, needs? if you need the if you need to get some podcast if you have podcasting needs, who doesn't have covered. podcasting needs in the year of our Lord 2022? We've got you covered here. We've got you covered at Socks on Tap. You want to hear us talk about White Sox baseball, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. Follow us at Socks on Tap so you can stay up to date when we're going live. Get in that YouTube uh, and and comment. We had a good comment section last night, Steve. We had a really good comment section last night. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that we get more of the same as the season continues. But for all intents and purposes, White Sox win a baseball game today. We should be happy. But there's a lot of things that we're probably not happy about, and we're going to talk about them. Uh, first topic of discussion, Stephen, Michael Kopech. My God, was this man on today. He uh, he went out there and he shoved. I mean, that was that was pure sex tonight. Um, just had real good fastball life, top of the zone especially. One thing I really enjoyed about this was he was sprinkling in the changeup a little more, and that was something that I have been talked about, talking about, and clamoring for since probably about June or so. Is seeing him work in a third offering there just to keep hitters honest and to give them something else in the back of their mind to think about. We saw him doing that the first couple of innings today, and that really helped play up that elevated fastball, which had a little bit of extra juice tonight, 96, 97. And when he was missing with the slider, he was missing just below the edge of the strike zone tonight. So um, real good crisp stuff from him tonight, 11 strikeouts in six innings. You got to be very happy with what you saw there. Um, Did still have the three walks. You know, walks have been a little bit of a bugaboo for him this year. But overall, um, you can't be anything other than impressed with what we got out of Michael Kopech this evening. No, Steve. I mean, this was by far his best start that he's had in White Sox uniform, uh, in my opinion here. The 11 strikeouts, um, the fastball. Uh, the Yankee Stadium game this year still exists. 
Yeah, the Yankee Stadium game was it was a big start as well, and against a uh, much more formidable opponent than the Detroit Tigers. But I will say, I'm okay with the three walks, Dave. Eleven strikeouts, six innings, doesn't give up a hit. I mean, that's that's a recipe for success if you're if you're a starting pitcher here. Would like a little more length on this. Confirmed. Would like a little more length on this start. That's that's my one complaint. I would have liked a little bit more length on this start. Steve, let's address the elephant in the proverbial room. What are your thoughts on a guy at 85 pitches, Michael Kopech, being taken out of tonight's ballgame with a no-hitter? I'm prepared to shock the world. This is probably going to be the first time in Sox on Tap history that Anthony is going to be against the Crypt Keeper while I am actually on his fucking side. From my perspective, here's what it comes down to. Um, we all know Kopech is reaching the end of his rope here in 2022, and he was at 85 pitches. For him to get those additional nine outs that he would have needed for this no-hitter, that would have been another 25, 30, 35 pitches. You're not going to risk running Michael Kopech 120, 130 pitches. Knowing that, let's face it, 2022 is a lost cause. It's done. If you want to somehow get a dead cat bounce next year, you need Michael Kopech down the stretch in August and September of 2023 when hopefully they're playing meaningful baseball. So this idea of running him out there to try to get these nine outs, um, I didn't have a problem with, um, you know, the fucking dinosaur pulling him tonight. See, and this is where I totally disagree with you. I don't think that this year is lost at this juncture. I think that you still have a mountain to climb, but it's not lost. If they were statistically eliminated from this division, I can see where you're going with this. I think 85 pitches, dude just threw 100 uh, two starts ago against KC on August 1st. I would have at least liked to have seen him get that seventh inning. If he gives up a hit, that's fine. You can rest easy. I have a big problem with development plans here in, in this regard. I think it takes away from the aspect for the fan who's out there to watch something cool happen. Does the fan want to see Michael Kopech pitch in a playoff game next year or not? Of course they do. Who's to okay. say that he can't do that? And uh, who's to say that it, just because he goes 110, 115 pitches, who's to say that that is the ultimate cause of an injury? Tomorrow's never promised for any any stretch of the imagination. If it I mean, was the eighth, look at what happens with Chris Sale off the field. So you can look, you look if, if, here, if, if this was the eighth, thing, I think it's a different cool. discussion. But he had he still had nine ounce to cover. Yeah. I mean, he I, could I have just, had a one, I, I two, three, three pitch inning. He could have. It's not out of the realm of possibility. At least give him the chance. Come on. I mean, and, and even in that regard, I, I know Reynaldo Lopez is just coming back. Your bullpen's rested. It's the Detroit Tigers, man. Like, let him go back out there. Let him, let him end the no-hitter himself by giving it up. But in, if you're not going to test him and push him a little bit farther, I mean, you took your foot off the gas a little too early. I can understand it at 101 pitches, leaving the you know sixth inning, saying, all right, no, absolutely not. 
but I don't think you passed that point of egregiousness yet where you have to say, all right, we're going to save him. I think it's that same pussyfooted behavior of I'm going to take him out at, at the sixth inning that, you know, Ozzie Guillen was screaming about the other day. We get mad at guys because they don't hustle down the line. How about your pitcher going back out there and throwing in another inning? Maybe he gives you two more. Who knows? But, I mean, going back to this whole, you know, we got to worry about next, you know, September, October attitude is we've been worried about next September, next October, every single year here. When does that change? That's I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I mean, I think last year we were all focused on October of 2021 and you know, coming into this season, we were focused on October of 2022. But I just the calendar's not on their side anymore here and I just don't think it's worth the risk anymore. That's just me. People can say I'm wrong. That's fine. They're four back in the loss column of Cleveland. They got Houston coming in next week. You go to Cleveland. Check check the uh, the files. See my thoughts on what happens when the Sox go to Cleveland. So I just, to me, the risk outweighed the reward. That's fair. They have, you can you can have whatever opinion you want on this. This is this is why we talk these things out here. And Steve was right. This is the first time probably in Sox on tap history where I've gotten very, very angry over something that Tony La Russa did and Steve was, was okay with it. Um, and that's why you tune into this show nightly. So you can figure out when historic things like world no hitters get thrown on the show. Yeah. Um, and we'll stop the conversation right here before it gets too ugly and we'll pull a, a white Sox move right here and we'll save it for later. Um, Steve, let's move along in this baseball game. The White Sox offense is able to get the job done in the seventh inning by putting up two runs, but they had plenty of opportunities. We've absolutely gone up and down every single show, this entire lineup and the struggles and the failures to score runs in situations where they need to score runs. I believe you left 10 runners on base today and they were one for eight with runners in scoring position. So that said, Still a lot of meat on the bone for this White Sox offense, in my opinion. Uh, let's hear your thoughts. Very fortunate that they were going up against an offense that was worse than theirs tonight. Because if you squandered that many opportunities against even an average team, typically things will not go well in your favor. They're very fortunate that this Detroit Tigers team is, you know, <laughs> just a dog shit Baseball the Detroit team. Tigers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hashtag Detroit sucks. Never forget. Um, just want to get that out there. But they're fortunate that the Tigers are even more anemic offensively than the Sox are. So just the same bullshit we talk about almost every night here. Hitting the ball on the ground too much. Hitting into double plays. Not getting timely hits. Your 2022 White Sox. But well, they got that Andrew Vaughn got that one hit. He snuck that one in there and they made it hold up. And see, Steve, those are the beautiful hits that we were discussing the other night when I said the Sox need to do stuff situationally. It's stuff like that that I don't think that the White Sox offense has benefited from all year because they uh they just don't seem to get lucky in those situations at all, and they can't make their own luck either. So 
Um, yeah, it's that's rough. Uh, Steve, you got some comments here. Yeah, yeah, I do. So comment here from uh, Matthew Lucas here asking, don't they have our old assistant hitting coach? It's funny you mentioned that, Matthew, because they actually do. They have one of the Menachino disciples handling the hitting coach duties for the Detroit Tigers. Weird how these are two of the worst offenses in all of Major League Baseball. It is weird. Maybe, just things. maybe, there's a correlation. There was know. some stats shared. There was some stats shared today on the uh, on the Twitters.com, Steve, uh, about some of the worst offenses in baseball um, and, and some of the weird things that the White Sox have done. And I believe it was brought to the attention of the folks on the internet today that those Marlins teams that also had really shitty offenses – were also coached by one Frank Menachino. Socks on tap investigates, Steve. Do we have an open case? Oh, I mean, I think this is an open and shut case, if we're being totally honest with you. I talked about this the other night. There clearly is some sort of a disconnect organizationally that is happening between the information that is being communicated to hitters um, from the analyst and, and from the scouting side of it to what is then being communicated to them in the dugout. I don't know what that disconnect is. Um, you know, everybody talks a lot about the famous Frank Minichino quote, fuck the homer, hit 300. Um, and a lot of people have tried to say that that was taken out of context. But we have more and more evidence here to suggest that it was not taken out of context. So I would like to counter your honor with my philosophy, fuck 300, hit the homer. Yeah, and that's it's just interesting that uh, all of this uh, stuff begins to add up. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm very concerned about this one uh, continuing for uh, a longer length because unless they snap out of it, and all sources at this point don't indicate any signs of a a real heartbeat yet starting to uh, to come back, uh, that offense just looks so dead and and it's almost the days that they can score eight nine ten runs steve it's almost like the approach is night and day different than what you see with this team on a night in and night out basis what do i talk about almost every night here this lineup is littered with guys who are allergic to taking pitches they have an overall hitting philosophy that if the ball makes it to home plate, 60 feet, six inches, you have to swing at it. That's very problematic. It's an issue from a, from a scouting and development standpoint, the players that were targeted, how they were coached and developed coming up through the system. So there, there are multiple breakdowns that are happening here, but when you have this many guys that just go up there and swing seemingly just for the case of swinging. These are the types of offensive performances that you get, and you don't develop the type of consistency that you see. Watch a Los Angeles Dodgers game. Watch a New York Mets game right now. It's it's almost like you're watching a different sport versus what you see when you watch a White Sox game. I can't confirm. This I have been watching uh, a, a decent amount of New York Mets baseball. They've been on an incredible uh, little run themselves over there, those New York Mets. And 
you're 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 absolutely right. The the plate approach is completely different. It makes the uh, the game a lot more fun to watch. Steve, I've I'll tell you, Mets fans seem like they're having a lot of fun. Yes. My boss is a big time Mets fan, and let me tell you, the only time I ever hear from him is when he's t- telling me about how great the Mets are doing. No, I'm sure it seems it seems like a lot of fun. If I'm being honest with you, I would like to try it sometime. Yeah, uh, we 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 did for the first half of last season, Steve. We did for a brief moment in time. It was the best of times. Yeah, and sometimes after the best of times comes the worst of times, uh, and that's kind of how this season has felt. I'm waiting for the best of times to come back, though. I've got. I still have some hope. I still have a a, a little sliver of hope that uh, that's what's going to happen. But here nor there. We already know that you've said it's still over. So uh, we'll we'll move on in this one, Steve. Uh, you get some bullpen appearances from a couple two tree guys out there tonight. It goes Lopez, Graveman, Hendricks uh, to shut this one down. Lopez does give up the hit uh, pretty much right away to uh, end the combined no-hitter. Uh, I think the combined no-hitter is pretty lame and weak. Uh, and then uh, so I'm glad that Raylo gave up that hit. I felt like they deserved it just to squash any chances of that being a uh, stat associated with the White Sox this season. Uh, Graveman comes in. Uh, he does his job. And then uh, Liam Hendricks comes in and does his job too. And that's a White Sox winner. They only scored two. Kopech does a great job on the mound. The bullpen does a great job on the mound. Uh, the defense had a little couple shaky moments out there, but everything all uh, all fine uh, in terms of defensive efforts for all intents and purposes. Give me some thoughts on uh, the bullpen A squad, so to speak, coming here and uh, getting this one done. And then we've got the uh, the scariest and and potentially shittiest moment of the baseball game still left to talk about. Well, you know, Raylo wasn't um, particularly crisp tonight. You know, I think if you look at specifically when he got to two outs in there um, and the bat with Candelario, he was really struggling to put him away. Um, He fouled off several hundred mile an hour fastballs at that point, and he just wasn't able to locate the slider. He eventually did um, get him to strike out to end the inning there, but it just wasn't typical come in and shove Ray low tonight. Uh, Real nice outing out of Kendall Graveman here. Um, So that was definitely a a positive from him. And Liam tonight was, it was was a little bit of a mixed bag. Again, didn't see – real good consistency with the secondary stuff tonight. So, and that kind of goes, you know, for almost any closer, not named Mariano Rivera. If you go out there, if you only have command of one pitch, you're going to be opening yourself up to some potential issues there. Um, Was able to mitigate them. That last play was a little bit of an adventure there from uh, Lenin and Josh Harrison was able to uh, be in the right place, right time to uh, close that thing out. But, you know, look, end of the day, you got to shut out. As a team, you take that. You absolutely do, Stephen. Uh, you absolutely do. Uh, White Sox win by a final of two to nothing. There is some scary little injury news, though, in this ball game. Luis Robert uh, exited uh, after a stolen base attempt, uh, in which he slid head first and uh, was was. I don't know what happened here. Looked like his arm. Well, what, got... what happened? Basically, what happened was, I mean, Jonathan Scope was blocking the bag, and Robert basically slid into his his leg, and it basically pushed his wrist back. Yeah, he had the glove on too, the oven yeah. mitt. 
So it, I couldn't tell from how I was angled just watching that if it was direct impact or if it kind of caught on the ground before it hit him. Uh, you know, there was body to body contact there. Uh, but the, the word out of the White Sox is what sprained wrist day to day for Luis Robert. I have a feeling this is going to stretch for like a week or two, Steve. Yeah, I'm basically anticipating that don't see him till Monday at the earliest against Houston if we're lucky, um, just because it's the 2022 White Sox. Yeah, and see, I'm more concerned that he's going to miss like three of the three out of the four Astros games, and then probably need a rest or maintenance day uh, in in the Cleveland series. You know this drill. You know this drill. You know it's a it's a real good thing they punted all those games in April and May. Well. Uh, this is why we can't. Who, have uh, wait, which, which, you know, boy, I, I, who was making out those lineups then? Oh, wait, no, that's well, not why you called <laughs> the White Sox uh, analytics department. You know that uh, we're so heavily invested in. There, you sure Steve. about that? <laughs> no, it was it was Larousse at that point, and they made a, a a nice thing to say that the analytics department had taken over for Tony Larusa, and there's been absolutely no improvement uh, in that regard either. Uh, I think the training staff is doing a little bit too much input on the White Sox lineup these days, Steve. I don't disagree with that. I think they've got a little bit too uh, too much hands in the pot here. Um, from a, so you're saying from they're, a getting a too, they're getting a little too handsy. Yeah, the, the hands off. Let <laughs> let the boys be boys. Let them play baseball. Let them have fun. Let them do the baseball stuff instead of the watch yourself stuff. Because tomorrow is never promised. So that's, you know, the sentiment I had earlier, and it's the sentiment I'll have right now. I just want to see them win and have fun. I don't want to see them play, all right, I'm going 40% here because the trainers told me. It just it dampens the product a little too much. Like I said, it's just where we're at this year. It's annoying as fuck, but, you know. 49 more of these to go. It's like buying a Ferrari to look at. Never driving it. People actually drive those? I think they do. Oh, shit. It's good. So you're saying I should take mine out of the garage? You probably should. You got a Lamborghini in there too? McLaren. McLaren. I got it. All right. McLaren guy. Okay. Well, there we have it. Some car talk on Socks on Tap today. This is great. Friday fun day, as our guy Ron said over there in the comments. Um, we've got another uh, comment uh, in here coming in, too. Um, Socks pitching is good. They give the team a chance to win almost every game. The hitting and run production is weak. Rarely do they have good at-bats where they see more than five, four to five pitches in an at-bat. Uh, we just went through this one. Um, and it's just more of the same. I, I can see that our listeners uh, also know uh, the the crap that they watch. The White Sox shitty plate approach warning that was in effect from last week is still in effect today. Waiting to to cancel that one, Steve, and we'll we'll find out if that happens tomorrow on another edition of White Sox baseball. Uh, what do we got in store tomorrow, Steve? Well, we got. Uh... Lucas Gelato on, on the mound against the Tigers team that he has historically had some troubles with. And um, a couple of guys in that lineup have 
giving him issues with the long ball. Um, Eric Haas, if he is in the lineup, is someone that you have to definitely be mindful of. Uh, Jonathan Scope has gotten him a couple of times, so keeping the ball down is obviously going to be paramount for him. One interesting thing, and I don't know if you caught the graphic that was shown previewing the pitching matchup for tomorrow, was opposing hitters are actually hitting 287 against Lucas Giolito's slider this year. Um, that's how you say not great, Bob. So from a pitch mix standpoint here, it almost might be in his best interest to kind of go back to the old school Lucas Giolito way of the fastball changeup and then sprinkling in the slider for effect because um, the slider just hasn't been particularly good this year. So he's got to go out there and he's just got to pound the strike zone early. He's got to work ahead of these guys cannot be issuing free passes. So if he does that, um, hopefully he should put them in a position to win this game. Look, these are two anemic offenses. I don't expect a lot of runs to be scored tomorrow. Um, Matt Manning pitching for the Tigers, you know, young prospect guy. He's been all right so far in his couple of outings this season. So that just, you know, gives you cause for concern as a Sox fan, knowing what's uh, what's in store there. So I'm expecting another low-scoring ball game tomorrow, and hopefully they get the clutch hit when they need it to pull it out. Man, you'd make a lot of money betting on the unders of White Sox games this season. Um, Everyone knows how much I love betting. Yeah, I'm just giving I'm you some. Big, big better guy. Big you better guy a, right here. You are a big better guy. So I know you're cashing those those unders tickets, Stephen. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful to see. Uh, you know, I I I just want a good Lucas Giolito start. I, I want I want one because I'm going to be in attendance tomorrow. It, it seems like so. Uh, I don't want to go watch Lucas Giolito have a meltdown and erase all the good and happy feelings that we have right now as White Sox fans because they won tonight. And as we say all the time, you're only as good as your last envelope. Lucas has to deliver one tomorrow, and I want it to be good. I want it to be a nice full envelope of six innings plus of no-hit baseball so that he can be pulled as well, and the White Sox can be one of those teams that does that two nights in a row. That's what I want. You know, as long as they put it in the left-hand column, who gives a shit at this point? <laughs> That's fair. We like to argue over the little antics of this game, just the little minuscule details. I think we can agree the left-hand column is good, though. The left-hand column's good. We are both on that same page. We want White Sox winners. That's what we want. Hashtag victory, facts only. Victory beers taste better than misery beers. It's a staple on this show. Um, hope you are enjoying and cracking some victory beers tonight on your Friday if you're listening to this, Steve, pick the click tomorrow. What do you got? Well, knowing that you're probably going to be in attendance tomorrow, Matt Manning on the mound, I'm going to take your baby boy, Gavin Sheets. There you go. There you go. It's my son's birthday tomorrow. So if one of my boys can get light off some fireworks for my other boy, That'd be fantastic. That would be just magical. That would be just magical. Gavin Sheets has not been in the lineup all too much of late, Steve. Kind of cooled off a little bit since he was was hot uh, uh, when he came back up off of that AAA stint. 
I, I like that pick. I really do. I really like that pick. I am going to go with Mr. Abreu, though. I think that uh, Jose might be able to uh, light up the uh, light up the scoreboard there a little bit tomorrow. So you're saying you think Abreu is going to August Abreu tomorrow? I think he's going to August Abreu. I feel like this is a safe pick. I'm kind of, you know, taking the uh, – uh, I don't know what the betting term is for this. You know, the, the sure bet maybe. Maybe not the maybe not the full sure bet, but I'm going to be cautious with this one. I'm going to go Jose Abreu. I think uh, the August thing kind of lines up. Um, he's done that again this year. The calendar still checks just, out. It is still this, August. Yeah, so we've got to ride the safe play here. Jose Abreu is my pick to click for tomorrow's ball game. I like it. I like it. Steve, we talked about a win. We talked about some sensitive topics like taking pictures out in the sixth inning of their no-hitter. Uh, we've talked about Luis Robert injuring himself on the base paths once again. We've talked about the White Sox beating the Detroit Tigers by a final score of 2 to nothing. It's Friday night. I'm enjoying these Budweiser's. Do you have any other White Sox topics you want to get to before we close this down? Let's hit the Wayback Machine. Yeah, let's do it. One year ago tonight, my friend, we were in Dyersville, Iowa. Yes, we absolutely and we got were. and we got to watch a movie be filmed live. We did. And then we got to live a horror movie on the way back. We did get to live two different movies, <laughs> two different movies that night. And maybe maybe we'll go into some story time with Saxon Tap here to finish out this Friday night. But yes, we were in attendance. That's hashtag confirmed. I think we made the the televisions um, in, uh, in about the confirmed. seventh inning of that ball game. There's a there's a screenshot that's out there floating around on uh, Twitter.com. Be sure you're following Socks on Tap at Socks on Tap. Stephen and I were there. Did you take in any of last night's Field of Dreams game with the uh, with the Cubes and the Reds? Didn't watch a single pitch. Wow. Okay. All right. So I watched it. It was not as magical or fantastic well, i mean anthony you know what they say i mean sequels never live up to the original let's just they be don't. real I, I was just wondering if you were tuning in for the uh the harry carry uh hologram did you see pictures of that yeah i mean can i get a reaction from you like i mean what, what I, are your thoughts it's hard for something to be more cringe than that okay but you know whatever okay. see what i didn't understand is that none of the fans were like looking up at the booth so maybe that was just a TV thing. I think it was just a TV thing. I haven't heard anybody who was there say that they saw it in the booth. But there were rumors that he was going to walk out of some corn and do the seventh inning stretch, and then they superimposed it in the booth. It was weird. It was, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was a good sentiment, but uh, the uh, the execution may have been slightly poor. The one thing that I did see, um, you know, this morning when I was having my coffee, um, I think it was John Boy maybe that posted the video of when Joey Votto was mic'd up and was talking with Smoltzy uh, during the broadcast. And Joey Votto is just such a fascinating guy to listen to, just talking, hitting, talking just baseball and just overall general philosophy. That's a guy that I, I would love to hear him mic'd up every every night because he just is – unbelievably insightful with how he explains things, especially if you get him into a conversation talking about hitting and just talking about the contrast in 
the game when he first started going up against guys like um, John Smoltz, Pedro Martinez, um, you know, so guys kind of from that previous generation to then, you know, guys like Justin Verlander who were upstart guys at that point who are now those grizzled veterans and just kind of the transition in the game here. So listening to him really kind of talk and break that down, that's the type of stuff that Major League Baseball needs to be doing more. Having guys like that that can actually talk and, and break down the game and actually do it in a manner that the average fan, someone that maybe hasn't played the game at a high level, can understand because that's going to help you grow your audience. Um, so that that to me was was just tremendous. I mean, we definitely need to see more of that. Yeah, we absolutely do. And I, I can say that uh, the Joey Votto stuff yesterday was awesome. I think he's just a, he's an absolute baseball advocate. He's he's a brand. He's an absolute treasure, is what he for, is. Yes, he, just wonderful to listen to him talk, um, especially while he was in the middle of that game. Uh, I thought that that was really cool, really well executed, and uh, you know that more of that. I think I can I can definitely agree with you. Um, you know he he knocked that out of the park. I know that they didn't hit any home runs yesterday, Steve. None. I would think we witnessed eight. Um, and just uh, a year ago today, it was probably about like right now. Uh, we are getting kind of close to that. Uh, that I think Timmy's thing. hitting the walk off right now. <laughs> he might be. He might be. I'm getting little goosebumps here, thinking about how cool that was. We we had a great, wonderful time, an awesome experience. By the way, who called there. that walk off? You did. You called that walk off. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah, you called it during the Sebi at bat. Yeah. Um, you know, there was there it was just it was a thing of 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 beauty. Um the display, the the baseball game in and of itself, uh, being there in Iowa, uh watching the White Sox beat the New York Yankees, that was absolutely cinematic in, in and of itself. And then there was the ride home that you and I had, which was fantastic. Steve, why don't you let everybody know, you know, what was going through your head as we were walking back to the parking lot, which was a cornfield, um, and you discovered what you discovered when you got there. I, I, I kind of want to go back to the scene of the crime. <sighs> All right. So obviously we're feeling really good. We're, we're kind of on cloud nine after that performance. Timmy hitting the walk off in true cinematic fashion. The place just going fucking ballistic. Um, it really did have kind of a playoff vibe to it. And so coming off of that, you know, we stopped at the old movie set. We actually picked up some dirt, which I still have right here, by the way. Thank you. Um, Very nice. So nice little, you know, souvenir to commemorate the moment. Um, get back, you know, to the uh, dirt gravel road that was fashioned into a parking lot. Lo and behold, what do I discover? My rear passenger tire is completely flat. Now, for those of you that have not been to Dyersville, Iowa, have not been to the Field of Dreams site, you literally have no paved roads to get to this place. When I talk about being in the middle of nowhere, we are in the middle of nowhere, and there are no paved roads for several miles. So in the course of our travels, at some point on one of these dirt gravelly roads, a piece of glass got stuck in my tire, completely deflated it. Now, fortunately, there were staffers um, and, and maintenance crews that were 
canvassing the parking lots were able to get me inflated. The issue then was that we had an hour and a half drive home to Davenport on the border of Illinois and Iowa. And the path to get there is a bunch of country roads with really no street lights. It's 11 o'clock at night at this point, And I know I've got a tire issue. So I'm actively just monitoring my tire gauge pressure. The whole, now, mind the whole you, time. my cell phone's completely dead. Your cell phone is completely dead. So this is a scenario where there's a really good chance we're ending up on the side of a road in a cornfield in Iowa, and no one's ever going to hear from us again. They're never going to know what happened. Aliens probably come and abduct us. My car is just sitting there on the side of the road somewhere. No one knows how it got there. Yes, no this went from, from quickly being one of the coolest nights ever to being – the scariest ride, I think, for both of us. Now, now, you know, as as we're as we're going along on on this hour and a half long journey here, I have to take issue with you a little bit because you know, as a co-pilot here in this situation, knowing the the gravity of the situation, you let a man down when you when you fell asleep on me there. Yeah, for about I did. A good but half then, hour, forty five minutes. But then, yeah, because I figured I would just close my eyes here and take take a little rest in case you know anything were to have happened but then you had started to fall asleep well still that, that last leg that I last, think I had to keep you yeah, up. that last 10 minutes got got a little hairy um, <laughs> I, may, I may or may not have missed our exit that has not been confirmed ultimately we were able to get to the hotel back in we Davenport were. Iowa safe we were. and secure it was late. It was very late. It was It was very late. It was after one o'clock. It had been a long, long day. There had been a lot of driving going on. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, th I feel like maybe the highlight for, of the commute there and back might have been uh, when I picked you up at Casa de Marchese, when I just said, hey, you know, for the moment and just given where we're going, we're going to listen to Slipknot's 2002 Iowa album front to back. Yeah, and we did. We and did. we did, and it was magical. Let me tell it you, it was the the drive in was definitely better than the drive back. <laughs> I don't even know why we stopped at the hotel. Like we could have just picked up our bags and should have just filled. That, that would have been bad, bad news, Anthony. <laughs> we should have just we should have just filled it up, and uh, we could have uh, just hightailed it all the way back and and made it home safely in one night. Because the next morning when we woke up, of course the the tire was once again toast flat. Toast. Um, I, I still remember getting it over to the uh, to the gas station across the street, and uh, I believe you had a little trouble with the air compressor. We had to figure that one out. Um, it was, it was early too. It was, it was it was it was like the 2022 White Sox season, and the White Sox haven't been the same since Steve's flat tire. Yeah, so, so yeah. it it was really a calamity of errors. But hey, the moral of the story is this: we survived, and we've thrived since then absolutely so, you know we're back we're giving the people what they want there was a lot of teamwork that happened then there there was there was you know they, they say that teamwork makes the dream work and it was that I, power nap that i took just like just like tony I, sometimes gonna, tony's I, need some time to just rest their eyes figure it out oh okay. and then they get back they get back on the horse and they're ready to go it's it's a tony thing you just wouldn't understand yeah, no, I wouldn't because I play like a goddamn champion and I fight through it. Yeah, you know, well, kind of like kind of like last weekend when I was in Texas when I went and I drank for twenty hours. I persevered. I fought through it. That's nice. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you did that. I'm I'm in it for. The I did it for haul. the team. Okay. 
I'm in it for the long haul. You got to rest up sometimes every now and then. You know, I, I think your driving was just so good. And I was so I was so tuckered out, you know, by the uh, by the thing. But that's what older brothers do. They 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 take care of their their younger brothers. Well, you know, listen, as someone who, uh, you know, isn't familiar with the brother dynamics, I'll have to take your word for that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just what has to happen. So, Steve, it was an excellent night. I can't thank you enough for bringing me along for that that car ride to Iowa and the car ride back. It was fantastic. Um, and everything that happened in between there was even more magical. It's crazy to think that that was a year ago and we're here now because it feels like that went by in the blink of an eye. Um, and if you didn't catch last night's field of dreams game, I will tell you this. It was not as good as the original. Um, I think that that is hands down uh, the end of story there. Uh, now, there won't be a Field of Dreams game in 2023, Steve. One last little take from you here on this Field of Dreams topic stuff. We're getting a youth baseball complex built by uh, Frank Thomas and uh, a bunch of other investors going in on that property. You're starting to see the dollars flow into this. I think it's a cool concept, but does it take away from the nostalgia and what we witnessed? Will anything ever be the same as that day? today one year ago august 12th 2021 it will never be the same and so i think in a lot of ways it's going to kind of be diluted almost akin to what we've seen with the nhl winter classic and you know it started with the winter classic then you have the heritage series up in canada because you know canadians have to have something and then you had the Coors stadium series which by the way not to not to brag or anything I was at the one Hawks outdoor game that they won against Pittsburgh at Soldiers Field, which ironically enough, you know, the Hawks won more games at Soldiers Field than the Bears did that year. Don't ever let anyone forget that. Wow, that's crazy stats. So I, I just think that, you know, doing the doing the Field of Dreams game every year, it's going to kind of dilute things a little bit. And at the end of the day, you're just not going to be able to recreate the magic of, of the original and what we got to live that night. I don't think you can. I've watched that game a couple of times uh, since, you know, the since the original uh, on on the field experience that you and I had. Um, it's one of my favorite things to go back and watch, and not even just in, in a White Sox sense, just from a baseball sense. The uh, the aura that was there, the way that the game was was played, the 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 storylines, um, the ebbs and flows up, was, of yes, emotions. It was. It was. Thing. It was perfect. I mean, if I think you can watch that, if you're a White Sox fan, you can watch that game over and over again, and it's not going to get old because of the way that that game flowed. I think it showcased baseball beautifully. I think you appreciate it more if you're a White Sox fan, but a baseball fan in general who doesn't root for the New York Yankees can probably watch that over and over again. And I, I think it's something that they did incredibly well a year ago. I'm glad they're still doing these. I know that the, the dilution problem, uh, but I would highly recommend if you ever get the opportunity to go out to that field, to watch your team play that you take advantage of it. If you possibly can, because it was, it was an experience, whether you liked the movie whether you didn't like the movie, it was a baseball palace. I thought it was just an absolutely gorgeous setting for a baseball game. And uh, I hope those continue, uh, even though that they 
will be diluted. Uh, I just know that it's cool in White Sox history that we got to be there and take part in what was the first. Very well said. You put the exclamation point on it. That's all I've got on Field of Dreams, Steve. We talked about a White Sox winner. It commemorated a year ago. We talked about the car ride, uh, the, the scary experiences. We've covered a lot of ground today. We did. We did. We we kind of sprayed to all fields a little bit. Yeah, it was a great plate approach, I would say, from looking back at this show. We had, we had a little bit of something for everyone. That's all I've got, Steve. Got any final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts are Detroit Sox win another baseball game tomorrow. I'm right there with you. It's time to take care of more business, and the Sox have done that very well against Detroit this season. Let's hope that continues tomorrow. You got Lucas Giolito on the mound. It's Giolito Day. Steve's taking my boy, Gavin Sheets, as his pick to click. I've got Mr. August Jose Abreu as mine. We'll see how it all shakes out. No show tomorrow. We'll be back on Sunday for Sunday Fun Day. The Sox on tap. Until then, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.